What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondewald, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Brendan and Steven from the DC-based band Nah. This was a fantastic conversation. We covered how Brendan was low-key recruited by a cult, the power of music to save people, and the immensely supportive DC music community. I really, really enjoyed talking to them both, so hopefully you dig it too. Big shout out to Steven for helping to edit the show. Make sure you hit him up for any recording needs. Brendan has his own shameless self-promotion for guitar lessons in the episode later on, so he's fine. Nah just released their latest single, Play Nice, on Blossom Records. It's available on all platforms, so get to listening. Oh, and they'll have a music video coming soon, so keep an eye out for that. You can also check them out on Valentine's Day at Songbird in D.C. with Doe Eyes. Songbird is a fantastic venue, so I highly recommend going to that show. I'll have all the links in the show notes per usual. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. So let's do this first because we have two people here now. So let me get introductions. Um, I'm going to have each of you introduce yourself and then we're going to talk about the new single that just dropped. Really, really like that, by the way. It's fantastic. Thank you. Um, I think the production on it is great. And then I was listening to last year's record and I love, I was telling him, I love how eclectic it is. Just all the different styles that came through there. There was one track and I don't remember what it was, but it was like a metal almost track. Yeah, you're talking about Teeth. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that, that came out of nowhere. For me, at least, because I was just like putting it on in the background because I knew that it was a little space rocky, fuzzy stuff. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to be able to chill and just relax. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's just basically her yelling at me this entire time, <laughs> <laughs> which which was fun. Um, but yeah, let go ahead and introduce yourself. Steven, you can start for me. Cool. Yeah, I'm Steven. I am the drummer slash producer. And we all kind of share a management role. I'm Brendan. I play bass for Nah. All right. And then I was I was reading a little bit. So the Nah came about an idea for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about that and the story behind Nah? Yeah. Um. So it was like 2015. Uh, I had just gone traveling for a little bit, trying to do the whole uh, spiritual journey thing, trying to find myself um, or whatever. Didn't get as far as I wanted to (laughs) geographically. Um, So I ended up back here in Northern Virginia. Continued my quest for spiritual fulfillment, I suppose, through songwriting. And I say spiritual fulfillment, but really it's more just I was dealing with a lot of uh, depression at the Mm -hmm. time specifically and... Uh, So I just started writing songs about what was going through my brain, trying to sort of sort through the things that may have been causing that depression and things that I wanted to do to try to alleviate it. Um, And so I was just kind of writing songs on my own and people sort of started to hear them thinking like, and give me good feedback. And so I was like, okay, yeah, we can, maybe I'll start a band. (laughs) (laughs) So that was just a, a basic release for you for a little bit and trying to wrestle with some of the stuff that you were doing? Yeah, yeah. A lot of like introspection going on. I lived a really 
Brexless life uh, for a while, and it led to a lot of unhappiness on my end. I hurt a lot of people in the process also that weren't just myself. And then, like, hurting myself in return wasn't actually fixing anything about that, you know? So I was like, okay, I really got to start digging into what's causing all these behaviors and patterns, you know? And where did the name come from? Because I, I love it. I'm just like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do anything. Nah. <laughs> well, it went something like this. I basically, I had a string of names that I was listing out. And anytime I would come up with something, all were pretty ridiculous, I'd, I'd say. Like, I would say something like, let's be Tuesday in the rest of the week. And nah. No. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Yeah, I would just keep spitting out ideas and they would say, nah, not that. Nah, not that. Nah. And so, like, I was like, well, there does seem to be one theme throughout this conversation. <laughs> That's fantastic. So we were talking a little bit off mic. You grew up in Silver Spring? I did, yes. Okay. And then when you started your spiritual kind of journey to figure out a little bit yourself, where did you go? What did you end up doing? Um, well, first I went to college, even though I didn't want to. And I guess that's kind of where it started. That's where like the mental journey, I guess, started. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, like I, in, in high school, I, I went to like a very small private school kind of thing very sort of sheltered kind of bubble going on there, um, which I always kind of felt like an outsider in, not having grown up wealthy or anything. Right. Um, I was like the poor kid at the private school, you know? Um, it's got to feel good, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, like, honestly, I didn't notice what, while I was in it until I left and went to college and was like, oh, like, these people are like actually that I'm hanging out with now are like actually in my demographic can actually relate to some of the things that right. my other friends couldn't. You know, I kind of I started uh, experimenting with drugs. I'll say specifically psychedelics, and uh, that sort of it did something where like it showed me a part of myself that I didn't necessarily wasn't paying attention to before. Sure. I guess. And that's sort of, I guess, what kickstarted the whole thing. But anyway, I dropped out right at the end of the first year that I was at college. And I dropped out and I moved back to Silver Spring, actually lived with some punks in a house on Potomac Avenue. And then it just wasn't, I wasn't where I wanted to be still, you know, I was very, still very like, I don't know what I want to do, right. don't know. That's actually when I started first writing songs, but I didn't really think in depth about it that much. I was just like, oh, I'll try to write a song. The whole, like, the purpose of it didn't come till later. Sure. Um, but I I signed up for something called WOOF, which is the Worldwide Organization for Organic Farming. That's interesting. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, so I was, the idea was that I was going to go farm hopping. Um, okay. Just kind of go around to different farms where I could volunteer as a farmhand in exchange for room and board, you know, and sort of travel around the country that way. Again, I didn't make it that far <laughs> because uh, about a month into the first farm I was at, it was amazing, I will say preemptively like the experience that I had on that farm was really good I was working with the earth we like I didn't have a phone there was no like or a computer um I was very much just like really experiencing the natural world and that was like really it for me you know I that's what I was kind of looking for and hoping to experience and uh, I was meeting a lot of people who were, like, through hikers on the Appalachian Trail. Okay, cool. Uh, sharing stories with them and sort of, uh, you know, widening my worldview even more. 
Yeah, you don't realize that disconnect really reconnects you with a lot of other stuff. Yeah, yes, it does. But it turns out that the farm that I was at was run by a cult. <laughs> um, so as soon as I sort of started to realize this, I called up my sibling, Robin, and was like, hey, could you come pick me up? And so that's how I ended up in Northern Virginia. Yeah, they're getting cultish. I yeah. don't really want to be here anymore. Precisely, yeah. That's that's funny. Um, I listened to a lot of last podcast on the left, and they just did the whole uh, Heaven's Gate cult which was insane, but going through like the different compounds that they had that you just walk into it and it's like an accepting community. And then yeah, next exactly. thing you know, you're just part of this something way bigger and way, not really sinister because everybody's kind of like coming together, but it's just a I whole mean, other thing. Yeah. It's like, that's, that's exactly what it is. Like I showed up to this farm and I was like, yo, this is amazing. Everybody was like, we're all about love and like peace and being one with the earth. Like, we had we like don't use computers here. Everything we eat, we grow ourselves. It was like really just this beautiful like, and that's exactly what I was looking for. You know, right. like I want to explore what it means to like really positive, like put a positive force into the world. I want to explore what it means to really love my fellow human, um, and they were all about that. And it was cool. I mean, we had like they they were not they didn't hide the fact that they were religious. Okay. Which, like, I know, I don't know. That could be off-putting to some people. It wasn't really to me at the time, because I was like, that's okay, like, I'm just a visitor here, you know, and I, that's fine. But I did, like, through their religious discussions, I guess, it, they were delving into a lot of things that I was also delving into in my brain, you know, sort of, you know, the, is there higher power? I don't know, like, uh, I know, I grew up Jewish, so, like, okay. that, I, I came from a place of believing in a higher power. Um, but like, whatever. That, besides the point, it was more about like, how can we make the word, their approach was like, how can we make the word of God real, the word of God being love one another, right? basically. And I was like, oh, that's like definitely something I can get behind. You know, God is love. Sure. You know, like I love love. Love is a many splendor thing. Love <laughs> lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love, <laughs> right. you know? Um that's but yeah, it turns out that it was run by some millionaire up top that like we were all just farming so that he could make his money. <laughs> that is <laughs> insane. Okay. Uh, I think the biggest thing for me with that is the fact that they use the internet to re not like low key recruit, I guess. Yeah. Because no. you're not really like seeking, hey, cult seeks <laughs> broken person to come join us on a farm. <laughs> You know, the, but but, but the fact that essentially, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that's uh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Uh, you talk about like not being connected, and that's what you were looking for. While they're on the flip side of it, me like, yeah, come, we're, you're on the internet, come, come see us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then you got back to Northern Virginia after that, right? Yep. Yep. Cool. And then when did the the idea so the idea of this band came back to you right around when you moved back in? Yeah, it was shortly thereafter. Um I was writing music for like I guess a few months before the idea of the band actually came, but um I was just kind of writing songs again. It was it was literally just for myself because I was trying to still like deal with these uh 
mental things that were going on. But the yeah, the idea of the band didn't really come until I like played some of my songs for some of my friends, and they were like, "These are really good songs. <laughs> you should actually do something with this." And I was like, "Oh, like you know, I guess I could. I guess you know, I've always I've been playing music for um, a long time, but I never." really wanted to make a career out of the out right. of it before that but the idea the prospect of like having original music that I could turn into something maybe bigger than myself that idea was very appealing to me and that I guess is why the band started I like it and from what I what I saw is that you really want to make a big positive impact and and bring different mental health issues different depression issues, different, kind of have that conversation, but also be able to artistically express yourself while that, and then bring in an inclusive community, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fantastic. That's something that we definitely all share and all have shared since we met and something that we've, a big part of the reason that we've vibed together as humans before music and that translates to our music. I like it. And then, Steve, so you grew up down in St. Mary's, right? Yes, unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, everyone from there. <laughs> I was going to say. Well, Except I, for my friends. I love my friends. <laughs> I talk about you it all the time. You all know who you are. Right. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. It's not great, but it's getting slightly better. And I say slightly loosely. Um, I think the community down there is growing. And the the big thing down there, which... If you haven't been down back uh, to St. Mary's in a while, all the people that have been playing music for 20 years, 15 years, whatever, they're the same ones that are still doing it. So there's not a whole lot of like new people doing mm-hmm. it and having kind of those journeys or anything because yeah. there's no real outlet for them to play, right. which is not a fun time. Yeah, and when I say, like, unfortunately, that's a big part of the reason that I say unfortunately because I'll, all I ever wanted to do growing up was play music and there was nowhere to do it there. And every place that, like, decided that they were going to make... I mean, there were multiple things that happened that were, like, the goal entirely was to give, you know, kids or teenagers or musicians a place to go play music. Yep. It got to the point where we were playing metal shows in churches and, like... And churches wouldn't care, you know? And, like, I mean, there was, you know, there was one place that I remember specifically, this coffee shop. I don't remember the name of the coffee shop. Room with a Brew. Yeah, that's it. Room with a Brew, right across the street from our high school that grew that that uh, opened up. And the whole point of it was just to, like, you know, they were going to throw some, some local shows with local bands and become, like, a nice, like, hangout for kids to go and hang out because that's what that place needed you know there were too many kids getting into drugs because there was nothing there and i actually you know saw that firsthand yeah and that you know room with a brew opened up and then we had a couple great shows there and then it got shut down it wasn't yeah. making enough money or whatever you that's know. yeah that's because i um i started doing shows down there shortly after they opened because they were actually they were by the food line in Leonardtown for the longest time. Uh, and then they moved across from the high school. Mm-hmm. So my whole goal was to try and do as much all-ages shows as possible because it was such a difficult thing to do down there. And being able to give kids an, a, an express 
a, a place to express themselves is really, really important. So that was that was kind of my whole goal. But the the flip side of that is building a community from the ground up is very difficult. And if you don't have the continued support, uh, that's going to be even more difficult. And then money is a thing and money sucks and art's cool. But if you don't have the financial backing for it, it doesn't really get to live as much as it used to. Yeah, and the financial backing comes from the community. And unfortunately, the community didn't really, the community for that didn't really exist enough to keep it going. You know, there was a, there was a small community uh, that consisted of mostly children. Yeah, <laughs> who were rebelling against their parents. So where were those finances going to come uh, come from? You know, <laughs> trust me, I, I know. I was trying to collect all your money, and then it didn't work out very well. That's one. I mean, that's unfortunately one of the reasons why I had to step aside is because I was working full time and then trying to do shows full time, and one of them was paying, and the other one was not. And then killing yourself trying to promote and book shows and organize, you know, a bunch of teenagers for the most part. Um, is difficult, but having that place, I think was important. Having the church, I think was important for a lot of people down there. Um, and I, I don't see that down there, unfortunately right now. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is uh, what I think that what has allowed, cause there's, there wasn't really much of a, there wasn't as much of a scene here when, at least that I knew of mm-hmm. when I came here as there is now. And I don't know if that's because we didn't know about it yet and there already was or like just there's a lot of things that happened like open jams became popular and, you know, little meets where a bunch of different musicians from different backgrounds would come meet each other and then bands would form and then we'd all have this big, you know, it's kind of all become this big community of of people that, are sharing music with each other and I think age has a lot to do with it. I mm-hmm. mean most of the places around here are 21 and up but and I think the difference between here and there to where like you I kind of I've kind of seen a, I've kind of watched a scene cultivate here yeah. or at least grow a lot and I don't know if I'd ever see it down there unless that place became more popular amongst younger adults. Sure. So when did you end up moving? Because you moved, I feel like, fairly quickly. Yeah, I moved out when I was, I think I was 19, but I came back. I think I moved to, I moved to DC when I was 20. Okay. I I moved out of this, you know, I moved out of the county and never came back when I was 20. Um, And... Yeah, that, I, that's basically it. I hate I hate hearing myself talk. I'm not I'm not a talker. <laughs> I'm not someone who should you should listen to talk. Most well, of we're the gonna, things that come we're out of my mouth that, are not so very. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so when you well when you got to DC, what was your kind of mindset? Did you want to form a band? Did you want to just live? Did you want to be able to like be in an actual city compared to the county that really didn't have that much going on? You know, honestly, um, I had just gotten clean from heroin and okay. other opiates, and I was doing actually pretty well financially. I just started selling cars, and I was like doing pretty well doing that. That's a kind very of, hard gig to do. Well it at. is, and I wanted to learn it because I was so. I've always been super antisocial. 
and I wanted to like be better at talking to people and also do it in a way that would help me survive on my own because I didn't want to live with my parents forever. You threw yourself into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so that is I, like, such a hard thing to do. If you don't like people, if you don't talk to people, that you threw yourself into the ocean. So. Yeah. I'm glad so, you learned to swim. Right, yeah. I did that. <laughs> and then, so that was... That was um, that was difficult at first, but I was doing pretty. I ended up doing pretty well at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually turns out that selling cars is really not that hard. Um, no, I if mean, you just talk to people, it's nine times out of ten, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are just coming to buy a car, whether like you're good at selling it or not. <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah. I mean, if you get like one or two of those every once in a while, you can survive. And That's especially right. if you live at home with your parents, which I did. I did. <laughs> so I, I was pretty privileged at that time. Where were uh, you selling cars? Uh, Leonardtown Ford That's in St. Mary's okay. County. Right. I, I worked at the used car, used car lot. That's funny. I, I worked at Lexington Park Ford. Nice. Yeah, I worked. So my, I, I started working there on a Wednesday. And by Friday, I thought, I was like, this is not going to work for me. Like, they don't even pay unless I sell anything. Like, what's going on here? And then my first Saturday, I sold two cars and I made like four grand. And I was like, that was was the most money I'd ever had at one time. Because like, my parents could support me, but they're not like super wealthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I never had more than like a thousand dollars at one time <laughs> ever in my entire life. And I was like, holy shit, I just made more money in a weekend than I've ever made. So I was like, yeah, I was hooked. I was like, I'm going to get good at this now. I've, yeah. you know, so I'd like started getting, I wanted to get better at sales and wanted to get better at talking to people and, and started studying that. But eventually, you know, I was, um, I was clean from I was clean from heroin and and opiates and the hard drugs, but I was still doing club drugs like psychedelics and sure. and, and Molly occasionally and stuff like that. Uh, when I was when I would go to clubs ex- exclusively, yeah. So I would go to like clubs on weekends in D.C. or Baltimore with friends of mine, and I would. You know, I was under 21 at the time, so like we would just go and like take some Molly and dance, or you know, to 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 rave music. I was listening to like a lot of like house and and drum and bass and stuff like that. I was so glad I'd never liked any of the electronic music <laughs> because I could almost guarantee my like just heart exploding if I was on one of those drugs, just completely. Like all my friends did it. Everybody that I knew loved it. And right. they all loved going to hear big, dumb drum bass uh, all the way through and just having the same beat go for like 10 minutes so they could just keep grooving and dancing. Yeah, you can't not love it, honestly. I, I mean, I haven't I mean, I done can. it. And I, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually no, another I mean, culture that like I got attracted to when I was looking for the whole like how do I love sure. people? Because they were they have they got the whole plur thing. That you was know? see, and that's love, I, unity, respect. When, right? When you were talking about that, I didn't relate. Th- when you were talking about your farm culty thingy, <laughs> I I didn't like relate that to it. But that's totally what that was for me. Like yeah. I found this community that was like plur, peace, love, unity, respect, and I was like, oh, I'm learning how to like love people, and like there's this community that accepts me for who I am. But really, it turned out that none of them actually accept you. They just want your drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, (laughs) 
Yeah, they're a little selfish, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's how the real world works, though. Right, yeah. So Nobody it, actually loves you. They just <laughs> want certain things from you. All right, so, I mean, to, to, <laughs> to, keep going, killed love. To, to keep going on that, the reason that I moved out to D.C. is because I met a girl at a rave. Oh, that's great. Who I fell for, and um, we and she was actually really cool. She wasn't like a raver or whatever, you know, like, she, like I, and we were. She was just there. She was just there. Out, and, and she was there. As much, she was a raver as much as I was a raver, okay. you know, like we were, I don't know, like she had been to a couple, I probably had been to more than her. She was, that's probably like maybe her first or second. Did honestly. she wear a tutu or not? She did wear a skirt, but it wasn't a tutu. Okay. She wore a skirt. It wasn't, it wasn't one. It was one a black the... skirt. I remember it. That's maybe pretty... I don't. I hope she's listened. I hope she listens to this and she's like, oh my God, I was not wearing a black skirt. This <laughs> fucking idiot. This is why we broke up. <laughs> yeah. So you came that's, that's So you came up to chase a girl, which is always probably the reason why to move to a big city, right? Yes. I moved into her which red flag, by the way, looking back at me, like when I did that. Wow, just a horrible partner. I, I moved, <laughs> you I or moved, her? Me. All right. <laughs> I moved into her studio, not studio, her one bedroom apartment that her and her friend's parents were paying for. So it's not like I was like freeloading off of her, you were just but I was freeloading off, off of her of parents her. for sure. <laughs> That's better. Well, I only lived there for like a few months. I thought you were going to say like two years. No. I lived there. For, I lived there for like three months, and then and we had already actually been dating for like five months before okay. I moved down there with her. Like I finally made it, and it was a mutual decision for me to move in there. It wasn't like I want to, you know, like I wasn't. I wasn't like, hey, I'm moving in tomorrow. And she was like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, it's like we talked about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I moved in, and we were together for three months longer and she had this like she was very ambitious and she had this like dream of like studying abroad and mm -hmm. um wanted to sh she had this um trip for school to go to israel to study something in israel that now i don't remember because it doesn't matter to me anymore because <laughs> i'm happily with my fiance <laughs> but she had something that <laughs> She wanted to study in Israel and she when before she left she left me a note breaking up with me which crushed me at the time. Yeah. And a I a note. It's fucked a up. Note. And she was gone for 3 months then so I couldn't even like she like That's like some movie shit. Yeah, right? Yeah. She but so yeah, that was kind of messed up. Or shame. Yeah. Um but yeah, she left a note and she left it on my pillow, which the worst part about it was that I went home that day from work and we had a roommate, Brittany, who's like still, I'm still good friends with Brittany. She's like dating my best friend now and, or one of my best friends. And, um, we had this, you know, her roommate who I had moved in with her and, you know, like they had already lived together. I went and hung out with her for like six hours and I don't think Brittany knew either. Oh no. <laughs> so like we just hung out for like six hours in the living room. I'm not sure if whether she knew already that she was breaking up with me or not, but like, uh. I hung out with Brittany for like so long and then <laughs> and then I went to bed and right before bed this fucking note sitting on my pillow oh, and I no. read it and I'm just crushed and I'm just like I can't sleep and I'm just staring at the fucking ceiling. It was horrible. Anyway, I went to work the next day <laughs> like nothing 
you know? Because you're fucking, a chief. And I ended up, no, you know what it is? I actually, like, I actually ended up doing a lot better at sales because I wanted to ignore what was going on in my life. So I, like, grinded yep. hard and I became this, like, fucking Gary Vaynerchuk, like, crazy, you know, like, Elon Musk, like, fan, you know? I was like, oh, yeah, like... I want to, you know, hypercapitalist. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah, I was. <laughs> yes, I was like, yes, that was basically like Tony Robbins, except for without his money. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you were getting there, right? Yeah, I wanted to get there. That was, like, but I basically like to ignore all the pain that I had. Yeah. Became that sort of person, kind of. Yeah, and then like. Um, I was doing that for like two years and I've actually, and mind you at this time, when I moved out of my house to, you know, when I moved out of my house to DC, we lived in a one bedroom apartment. I, music was gone from my life completely, Uh, you know, at least performing it and playing it and writing it was completely gone. I didn't have my guitar, didn't have my drum set. I was basically, um, I was living with you know, my girlfriend at the time who was super supportive of me like doing music, but I didn't have the means to or know anyone. And I was in sales and I was like trying to get out of sales. Anyway, when she broke up with me, I had just gotten a job back in sales. I had settled because I was trying to get out of sales at that Mm -hmm. point. And, um, it's very hard to get out. Right. Because the money is very much there. Like so much better than anything else you can do. And you have to like, like everywhere else, like you, you can, you can make money eventually, but you have to start out making shit Yeah, and sales. You like, you just start out making good money and you can go up from there and it's crazy. It's something that I've dealt with. I've, I've been working at my job for like 10 years. And the reason for that is that it pays well and I don't have a, education or anything so if i just talk to people and get them to buy more stuff then it's perfect and i don't have to worry about anything yeah and uh it's like i only did three months of car sales i don't know how you do more than that because it was i'm still in the automotive industry i just don't i don't sell cars anymore thank goodness but i have like a nine to five monday through friday job where i sell business to business like ad stuff to to car dealers and that's my that's my day job. So now you're just Google for cars, just selling the ads. Kind of, yeah. Says essentially that hyper capitalist is still there. <laughs> well, the skill is still right. I still have it, so why wouldn't I use it? And uh, and it's you know it helps me fund all the fun stuff that I like to do, like spend way too much money on musical equipment. And yeah, I'm very much in that bag now because yes. all of this is too fucking much yeah all all of it it's nice because i'm learning stuff that i want i've always wanted to but it's fucking too much yeah so uh, anyway th- my entire point uh, i got off on a giant tangent <laughs> but i wasn't playing music for a long time i had no like i, w- I was just focused on basically remaining clean and like ignoring my pain after her and I broke up and I was very focused on like, you know, making money. And I like made myself that kind of mindset of a person. And I only had one day off a week. It was Thursday night. A Thursday okay. was my day off. So Wednesday night was like my Friday night and I didn't have a Saturday night. Anyway. <laughs> I know that life. <laughs> right. <laughs> before, before you get too far. Sure. When 
when that happened, were you ever afraid of slipping back into any of the harder stuff? Not a chance. I had an epiphany on LSD, and I will never, ever, ever use a needle or take an opiate ever in my life, even if I absolutely needed it. I love it. Just crazy. It's like one drug helped me quit the other. Yeah, they're still doing trials for that stuff. Right, and I actually I would never do LSD again either. I've like, and I I had done it after the epiphany many many times, but like every time <laughs> after that epiphany that I had, like I had a really bad time, and it was almost like the drug was telling me that I got what I needed from yeah, it, and yeah, I will yeah, never okay. need it again. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. was that something like you? Happened to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with LSD anymore either. Actually, for a very similar reason. Somewhat different reason. Mine was like a really bad trip rather than an epiphany, but still an epiphany in its own right in that like it kind of unzipped all of the unconscious mm, uh, okay. and sort of dumped it out right into the front of my brain. <laughs> Less of an epiphany and more just like me being, uh, you know, kind of buried in my own shit as it were. Um, after that trip, I, I actually ended up in the emergency room after that. Um, and then I don't do LSD after that either. That's good. I quit drinking about two, almost three years ago, and that was nice. I've that, been I've been not drinking for like half a year, maybe. Congratulations, yeah. um, to you as well. Thank you. I woke up like halfway through trying to to end it, um, so I had blacked out and then came to, and I was like, "This is probably not very good." <laughs> so I went cold turkey pretty much right after that. Um, but that's that's a whole other life experience, whole other epiphany where you're just like, I didn't think that I could be this sad or low or anything like that. Like, I didn't think that this would ever happen to me. And then next thing you know, it's just like, oh, this, this is real. Let me try and fix this or just like bury it a little bit. Cause now that I don't do any of that, it's, it's my, I sleep way better. My mind's a little bit clearer, but all the, the thoughts that I had, I guess, while I was drinking aren't there, which is good. Yeah. So being out of control of my own body, like being any kind of drug, like trying to smoke or do anything. I've done that a couple times. It is the worst since I've like been sober because I'm just not used to being out of control. Right. Cause you, you start to fall in love with like, really it's like, Oh, like I finally, I have like a handle and like I can steer where my life is going rather than just like following where it's going. And then you like, don't want to give that up. Yeah. You have that. Yeah. And it's a completely like weird feeling too. So just be like in an altered state after you haven't done it for so long. Yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to get off on a tangent because you were doing a very good job talking <laughs> where you said you weren't going to be talking. Yeah, I think uh, I lied maybe. <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I am a good talker. Well, I mean, it's a, it's a skill that you learned, right? You got you to gotta keep using it. But I think uh, I think that's good. So going from there, it was fuck no. I'm not doing this ever again. I'm going to go sell. I'm going to go make some money. I'm going to make something out of myself. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily fuck doing this. I'm not doing. Oh wait, are you talking about the drugs or the yeah, music? Yeah, the drugs. Definitely for the drugs. It was fuck this. I'll never do this again. And um, I wasn't doing music because I was just so hyper focused on like trying to survive. It was the first time I'd lived, you know, without a security blanket of my parents. And I was terrified in this new city where I knew no one, new one, no one, new one, new no, new one. Told told you, um, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I knew no, no one, no one in this city, nobody in this new nobody. place that I was in. And so I focused only on my job, and I would go out any chance that I would get to try to meet people. 
because I needed social Something. life. I, I, you know, I needed friends, and I really missed music a lot. So I wanted to like try to find where music was, and it was difficult at first because I just didn't know where to look, and so I would go out to bars. I would find people doing open mics, which, mind you. Coming from where I'm from, and you know this, Chris, mm -hmm. you don't see that much, especially I was 21. I just turned 21, so I didn't even experience the cover bands in our county. Right. You know, like I couldn't go to those places anyway. So people's playing live music was like the coolest thing in the world to me. I was only playing with my friends. I didn't know anyone who played live I didn't also know. didn't go to a lot of shows up in DC. Yeah, I mean, anything, we right? played a couple shows for like other kids, you know, mm -hmm. like a couple times, you know, and we play. And when I was in Decade, we played like some that music festival that happens at Chancellor's Run every year. Park Rock. Park which Rock. Yeah. Hopefully, we'll die sometime. But <laughs> it's amazing to me that that festival has survived so much. So this is a, a, a local festival that they do every year, and they've been doing it since I've probably since you've been alive. I feel yeah. like they've been doing it, and it, it's just insane because they keep going and going. At one point, it was almost like big, like it had it had a few days and had a few like bigger and slightly better bands than what I was kind of used to, but it's somehow survived literally everything. Like the the whole. They've, they've tried to um, reinvent themselves with different bookers and try to get different kind of people in there, which is kind of nice, but they've they've downsized so much. And it's just amazing to me that that still continues to be a thing despite everything, despite the economy, despite artists, despite having more local people on it too, which is surprising. Yeah, that's wild. We played that one. But, my, but what I was trying to say is when I saw live music in general, I was like almost dumbfounded by it at this yeah. point. It was like it was like the holy grail is when I would find like even like an open mic where like, you know, just one old lady with a guitar is like quietly singing her heart out. That was like, oh man, I missed that so much. Yeah. Like I miss the art. I missed feeling that. So I found this one open mic, my first like I said, my only day off was Thursday. So Wednesday night was my Friday night. So there was this open mic at this place where I actually run sound now called bungalow billiards. And I play pool there all the time. Now I'm now obsessed with pool. I wasn't <laughs> obsessed with pool back then, but you sound like you're from the County now. <laughs> yeah. They have so many pool leagues down there. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, I played pool a lot with my dad growing up and I'm like, I really like, I really like to play. Anyway, going off on a tangent again, my only, you know, Wednesday night's my Friday night. I go out to this open mic. I start going out to this open mic, and then I learn that there's live music on Fridays and Saturdays at this same place. So I started going, even though I had to be at work at Saturday on Saturday at 8.30, I started going out on weekends to this place, Bungalow. And at the time, they were booking a lot of, like, Jamtronica bands. They were, like, the cool, hip, like, like hippie, Jamtronica spot. You I know? don't know like, what that means. What? It was like a jam. It was like jam. They're like jam bands that had a lot of synthesizers and like okay. were trying to like almost like meld like electronic music, like EDM with with the jam scene. And it was like it was like super hip. 
you know it makes i guess a lot of sense as, yeah as an as a concept right to bring those two together right but yeah think like sts9 yeah and that, that's that's and that's actually interesting that we were talking about how both of us like had that kind of like you were with like hippie cult and i i can imagine they probably <laughs> listened to a lot of grateful dead huh no? <laughs> yeah well they didn't at the time but <laughs> but i had my guitar with me and uh, when i would start when i the first i remember the first time i brought my guitar out and like started sort of playing it the uh the dude who was the the patriarch i guess uh-huh. of this farm was like oh you know any grateful dead <laughs> so, <laughs> so yes <laughs> that's hilarious that's so right right literally right on the money right yeah. yeah so i thought that was really cool and i was like starting to get into this like uh I was like, I want to play these instruments with these with these guys because they were like to me at the time. I hadn't played any a couple. Yeah, I didn't play mm-hmm. in a couple years, and I never really was that good to begin with. I don't <laughs> think, but I was like, these guys are these guys are pretty good. You know, I'm watching these these guitarists and these drummers like just like jerk off on stage, <laughs> basically. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I want to do this. So you I like, jerk off on stage. I, yeah, I mean, not literally, but like with their <laughs> instruments, you know, it was fun. It seemed like it was fun and it was, you know, and I, I, so I, I met this guy, Patrick Chang, who's the basis for, uh, he's the basis for, of sound, right? is he? I thought that was, uh, Vlad, I guess so Vlad I plays guitar in that band. Yeah. I, I almost said shamans, but I know he used to play the bass for, um, for the, uh, Gordon's other band, that the other reggae band, um, the one that Mustafa played in. Oh, yeah. What were they called? I don't remember. Anyway, I know Gordon's band's name now, and I'll shout it out. It's oh. Gordon Sterling and the People. The Nappy Rhythm? He yes, Nappy, Nappy Rhythm. Rhythm. He used to play Nappy Rhythm. I can't believe I didn't remember that name. That's horrible. <laughs> anyway, check out Gordon Sterling and the People and Shamans of Sound because they're both amazing bands. Yeah. And they've been doing it for a while, if I remember right. Uh, Gordon Sterling and the People is kind of new, but Gordon's been doing it for yeah. as longer than I've been alive, I'm sure. Um, cool. So you met Patrick. Yeah, I met Patrick Chang, the bassist for this band, and he invited me to this jam that was on Wednesdays. <laughs> My only day off. So I like ended up going to you know this jam at this place called Fat Tuesdays, which is a it's a college bar right across the street from George Mason University, and they had these jams every Wednesday night. And that's actually where I met Brendan. It's where I met, uh, pretty much everyone I know in the music scene, like that has helped me in any way. Uh, It has stemmed, at least stemmed from me going to that jam that one time. Um, not necessarily everyone I've, I know in the music scene was met there, but everyone I know in the music scene was because I went to that jam that one time. That was your in. That was my, that was my in. Um, and that's, I don't even know if there was a music scene at that point. It was like, that was just like the that beginning. Like the start. Of yeah. That was the beginning of the scene. It was like that, that was like before that, apparently there was a jam at Red Rocks in Centerville and then that one. Uh, so they had two going on. They used to have both of them, uh, at the same time. And for whatever reason, they both weeded out in the, uh, you know, after, but now there's jams all over. And when the jam, when a jam ends one place, it goes another. And there's like multiple people who just run jam sessions at these local businesses where you can go and you can meet new musicians. You can get up and play with people you've never met before and play, you know, 
literally not even a song. Like you can just go and be like, yo, play in C or like, I've been working on this thing. Like check out this riff. It's in C major or whatever. And then you can only play in C though. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, yeah. So I, I'm in, I'm as, you know, I'm a, I'm a sucker for a Z sharp as a drummer. (laughs) I really love that key. Um, I like, I like that story though. Cause, uh, there's, I feel like now there's a big sense of community and this is really outside looking in cause I'm still an hour South. So I'm not really into it every day. Right. So, but being able to, I go to a lot of shows and I've tried to do as much as possible coming from a background where I did shows too, where I book shows and having that emptiness after I stopped doing that. Cause that was just my release in there. Right. So that was my artistic expression is to try and get all this, I looked at every show as a different lineup of like what I wanted. So I was hoping that other people would like it. If not, cool. I mean, it's for me. So whatever. I'm paying for everything. So I guess that works. But on the flip side of that, uh, that's why I don't do it anymore. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's really cool though, because it's something that is harder to do in a rural area than it is in bigger metropolitan area because you can have so many people that are able to congregate in one place that is pretty quick not quickly pretty close in proximity to each other and then like what you're saying it can move from one spot to another spot and it's all the same people so it's all the same relationships that you're building and then that explodes it's more like a community exploding through just music and not like people just pursuing musical careers right yeah no and i think that's what that's that aspect of it is a huge part of what, in my opinion, sets this area apart from some of the other cities' music scenes that I've seen is that, like, I think that, like, you know, every even if, like, people in different bands playing entirely different music, like, we just, well, you know, we play in Na, which is, like, in indie pop rock groups, right? Like it's like everything. However everything, you want to yeah. classify us, whatever. But like, yeah, we'll we'll shout out Shamans of Sound, a reggae group, because like we are actually homies, you know. And yeah. like, like there's always going to be competition in any sort of like playing field, I guess, in any industry. But it always feels in like here. It always I always feel so supported from my fellow musicians who are in different bands if they're doing something else even, you know, like, oh, like, man, like, I wish I could make it to your show, but I got my own gig that right. night too. And and both people are like, oh, man, you're going to kill it that <laughs> night, you know? Like, it's not like, oh, like, we got to get more people than they do, you know? It's like, oh, I hope it both goes great, you know? Right. Yeah. And I feel like there's that's a huge part of why this scene has been able to grow. And I think a lot of that has to do with the, the jams. And I think that, you know, talking to Gordon in general, you know, specifically talking to Gordon Sterling in the past, he was telling me how like DC, the scene used to feel very uh, clicky and very competitive against each other and not, uh, you know, the scenes wouldn't really be uh, the, the scene, yeah, the scenes wouldn't mix, you know, right. it's like there, there was a hardcore, you know, punk scene and a hip hop scene and a metal scene and they're all separate, right? And, you know, there's not, you know, there's a jam scene and all, they're all like separate and they, you know, and what having open jams and having been, being, at, you know, having open jams that invite every style of music has done has kind of like now, like people from each of those kind of what were like kind of sectors that weren't, didn't really talk to each other, 
now some of those people are best friends with each other. And I feel like kind of in a bit, in a, in a way, I feel like I'm really good friends with, you know, every, everyone, like we're all best friends with each other. You know, it's like really cool. It's a really cool like thing to like witness when you see types of music I don't even like. Like I'm publicly, <laughs> everyone knows I'm publicly not the best, and I'm not the greatest fan of of metal. Like I'm not a like it's not my favorite genre of music. I don't hate on it. I respect it, but that's not my forte. But I have really good friends that play metal music, like Mo Kazemi and uh, like uh, you know K Blank, and like those guys love metal and they're like really dear friends of mine, you know? Well, I think it's cool. Uh, like I was saying that the community sounds like it started building up first and it's almost like a resurgence of it where you had like what uh, Steven was talking about, those different pockets in there. And then you're just like, Oh yeah, people are cool. Let's go ahead and be friends first and then just go into our different projects later and then try to support each other through that. Yeah. I think it also translates to like why, a lot of the music is unique too, you know, like, right. You know, like not formed out of, like Steven said, out of that jam, you know, like I met Steven at that jam at Fat Tuesdays and, and we have some like pretty kind of similar musical backgrounds, but not exactly similar, you know? Um, and I only knew, I about think that. when we met, we had more similar backgrounds than now. I think we both kind of are hyper always looking in different directions for music and that's obviously with the entire world at our fingertips we're gonna head separate directions yeah. in some ways but when we met we had a lot of the same interests i remember bonding with him over our love for red hot chili peppers <laughs> and our love for you know like classic rock like Jimi hendrix and anything psychedelic that came from that era yeah and like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. Tame Impala. Tame Impala. Well, Still Tame Impala came later for me. Oh, true, true. Yeah. Right. I remember. Yes. Yeah. So but, they yeah. are actually good. I keep seeing their name. I have Tame Impala. Tame Impala. Yeah. You've never heard them? They, I mean, they, they were. I mean, like, honestly, they were good. <laughs> they were good. They were very good. And honestly, if you want to hear what they sounded like when they were good, listen to Post Animal. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, or listen to their first their two first albums. Their first two albums, yeah. <laughs> first, yeah, three, yeah. first three albums. Currents is still good. Currents, it just doesn't yeah. sound like the rest of their music. But it does... They progressively got more produced and more bought, it feels like. It, it was, that, they, they got yeah. more commercial. That's what as, happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I like your point, though, as far as the eclectic actual bands that are in the area, too. So doing this show i've been able to interview a bunch of the the dc musicians so like ben tufts who plays and drums for almost every fucking band that's out there um and then like aaron i i interviewed recently from um the 06 and fuzz queen and those just those two bands are completely different and it, it's really nice to see that and it's also really nice to see just everybody kind of Everybody knows each other. Everybody's friends with each other. And they're supporting each other's musical endeavors, which is nice because they yeah. can go off on a tangent. You can go, like what you were saying, you can go and journey into whatever you want to. And then you have this huge, not even just safe space within your house or within your close-knit community. You have a safe space within the community at large too right. yeah, absolutely. to really like grow and do whatever you want to. And that's it. I mean, that goes off on the point we were making because like, where I love 
each and every member of both of those bands that you just said. Yeah, Fuzz yeah. Queen's like one of my favorite bands around here. The 06 is probably my favorite band right now from around here. And both of them are very different. And the 06, I love what they're doing. It's all women. They're comprised of like just really badass people. And they're like just so good. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're so fucking good. Yeah, and then from that they started this could go boom to like help lift yes. up the voices of of mar- like specifically marginalized people, you know, which is something that like we also as a band support wholeheartedly, you know, yeah. like and that's a beautiful mm-hmm. thing also that I think comes from that sort of sense of community in the area which is like just yeah, like because we have this safe space that it's not just, you know, in your own house as you would say, but like in the general area it's like yeah, and because of that we're going to look out for each other and like and really help each other out by lifting up the voices of people who like might not necessarily be heard otherwise, you know, things like that going on all over town and I love it. Yeah, I I dig it and like I said this is just from the outside going in and seeing that cuz I think that if you're just paying attention to what's happening with the the lineups of shows of the the different kind of um bigger almost festival like there was a show at the Black Cat I think you guys played I think you did like was a Was it the Planned Parenthood uh the Radiohead tribute? It was a Radiohead tribute. That was one thing that I was going to talk about. But there was another one. I think that you guys did just you and Amelia. And I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I thought that was really cool because it was like literally every band that I've I've seen in D.C. all come together and play this one almost pseudo festival. I don't remember what it was called. Something burning, I think. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember what it was called was either. The, but I was do that the night that, that we were supposed to see Margaret Glassby yeah, together? That was the night. And you guys were late Emma because I, the band before yeah. you that I will not mention was took longer than they were supposed to. <laughs> yeah, it was that was really <laughs> cool though because they had multiple stages set up. Yeah, for the Black Hat. I remember. And so like in between, there was like constant flow of all local music. It was beautiful. Yeah, so it was really yeah. nice. And I I just really appreciated that because that's something that I've always wanted to do down where I live. And to have everybody come together. And now that like that sense of community that we were talking about is happening down there, which is nice because everybody's older and they're able to go to the different places and they're able to see each other. And that 21 and up thing is really real. And it's yeah, very it unfortunate because you can't really like make those full connections until then, it seems like. Um, but To any kids who might be listening, though, Comet Ping Pong always does all ages shows. And Perfect. Slash Run, too, I think. Yeah. And um yeah, and it, that's I think that's one of the biggest reasons that we've kind of like when playing in other shitty cities, not shitties, cities, sorry. <laughs> when other in other cities and around here even we've kind of tried to lean more towards the house show and DIY communities because those are always you know all age events you know we're not going to play a private party that's 21 and up that's a completely different vibe but really our our art our music that stuff when i was 15 and 16 and 14 and 15 and 16 that stuff was if I didn't have that, I wouldn't be in the place that I am now. I wouldn't have been able to do all the things that I've been doing, you know, that I've done. I wouldn't have been able to get out of 
the things that I needed to get out of, not just with drugs, but just mentally. And that is so important to us to be able to help people that need it. And not to say that people over 21 don't need it, but people under 21 damn sure need it, you know? And it's, 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 you know, we don't want to exclude those people, but especially around here when we're playing ticketed venues, the ticketed venues that will book uh, a band our size typically sell alcohol and rely on alcohol sales and don't want to deal with the hassle of, of the liability that comes with letting 21, you know, people that are under 21 in the venues. So we have really tried to lean heavily towards venues that, or non-venues, you know, non-ticketed venues. And I think that goes based off of your stories too. Both of you individually, when you were younger, struggled with something and know that music is really that big piece that kind of brings you together and brings you back to the surface a little bit, right? Yeah. Music has this really cool power of like, you, like, a music exists and then like a community forms around the music, you know, like, in in everything that we've been talking about the rave culture the the you know the the fest hippie culture which you know I was very much a part of you know like and and you know the DIY community you know like yeah. it's all like based around the art that these people are making you know and like that that that's why I got in this you know I dig it so let's do this um either one of you can answer this but what I would like to know the most is what do you think that you've learned the most about yourself through this band and through your music journey? Mm. That's a that's a tough one. I, yeah, I mean that's it's not hard to answer, but it, you said either of us can answer mm-hmm. it. I'm gonna let Brendan take that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Just because it's <laughs> just because it's hard and it, I'm lazy. Yeah, it is hard. Um, well, I've learned, I guess, like, every day I'm learning that, like, I still have so much to learn, which is cool, um, especially, like, in terms of of the actual musicality of things. Like, when I first started writing songs, I was like, oh, like, this is kind of cool, you know? And, like, as you go delve further into that creative world and, like, in the headspace, really, like you really sort of start to see how much empty space there is. Yeah. Um, so that's something, like, learning how little I knew, I guess, about it was definitely something. Um, but I also, something that I personally have learned throughout this whole journey is that sometimes I can... Sometimes it's okay to not have words... Yeah, for a moment, you know, to like words aren't gonna always necessarily express how I feel. Um, you know, music doesn't always either, I guess, but uh, you know, it certainly helps when there aren't words, right? But that's why there's like instrumental music that can be a much bigger emotional impact because you're not putting words to articulate a certain feeling, right? right. So. One of the the bands that I interviewed is, is Geary, and I've known them for a while. But uh, they were talking about how they had multiple people come up to them and just be like, "Your your songs made me cry, or your songs made me like feel so much joy." Or 
I I never like this never clicked for me before. Yeah. That's also another thing. Sorry. No, good. Third part answer to your question. Um, something that I've uh, learned throughout this musical journey is really how valuable those moments are to me. That when I have, when someone comes up to me or to any of us after a show and is like, hey, like, like your music really affected me in like this significant way and like, that and is and it's like such like an honest and vulnerable moment that is like I don't care if I ever make money making music if I could just have like that that feeling is I, I there no, there's nothing like that that is the most valuable thing to me I like it Stephen what do you think up? what do you think is the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself about myself. From this band, I've honestly had to learn a lot about myself from this band. I've had to learn all the way from how much belief in myself can actually like make waves to how too much belief in or you know not too much belief in myself but too much too much work and too much having that fiery ambition can be exhausting for others. I've learned a lot about how to communicate with other people, how to write music collaboratively, how to love people, how to accept love from others. And I don't know, we're a really, really close-knit group, and we are very, very good friends. And when I say good friends, there's not really a word that describes that better that doesn't sound oddly sexual <laughs> right. but like we like and because it's not a sexual relationship at right. all obviously but it's it's a very it's, intimate it's and, yeah it's it's intimate you know yeah. it's a, and we're very very close with each other all you know all of us and it's you know we've grown so much as individuals and as a unit like as a five person unit yeah. over the years and we've been there for all of our individual growths i mean like when i met brennan he was a broken person who was using a lot of drugs and i was using a lot of drugs and well i wasn't using a lot of drugs but i was drinking a lot with him and i think the mo- the thing that was most detrimental to brennan uh, in terms of a, a substance abuse was alcohol so i was kind of an enabler in that in that uh in that aspect but when i met him he was a broken individual and he he was drinking a lot and he didn't believe in himself and at that time i was the gainer <laughs> jerry vaynerchuk <laughs> like yeah no you can do this and it's exactly what <laughs> yeah, i needed it is exactly what he needed and um you know i've learned a lot about so much you know uh it's so it's it's really hard to kind of put it all into words and there's so much that I could talk about, but I think the biggest thing is I've learned that I've learned how to communicate and I've learned how to not accept my, I've learned how to work with other people. Basically I've learned how to do, you know, I've learned how to, cause I feel like I've always been a very ambitious person, but also like a very like, it could, it could come off as like a controlling person. Yeah. 
you know? Well, so to that point, if you think back to what you were talking about earlier when your girlfriend just left a note and just like, peace, bye, uh, and you were so focused on sales, right? When you are in your own lane and you're so focused on trying to keep all the, the different bad thoughts out and try to focus on everything that you're doing and being like, okay, I'm going to be super good at this. You don't really let anybody else's voice in. That's so true. And that's a really good, I feel like you're my psychiatrist right now. That's amazing. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but yeah, that's a really good point. <laughs> that is a really good point. And I think that's like, you know, that's, I think that's definitely part of it, but I think also part of it is just, you know, sometimes I need to take a step back and yeah. relax, you know, cause like, this is like, I have this, this dream and this vision and this goal. That's like, like, hundred percent always just there, whether I want it to be or not, you know, it's like inside of me, it's, it's part of who I am, you know, and that doesn't necessarily, it's not the same as everyone else's it's, well, it is the, the beautiful part is the, the vision and the goal of being able to affect people through music mm -hmm. And being able to help people the way that I've been helped is shared by everyone I work with in NAW. And that's the most beautiful thing. And like, I have learned how to differ in opinion and still work with each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we've, that, yeah. le I've learned how to, I've learned how to like disagree with someone, still communicate. That I disagree yeah. without offending that person. <laughs> Plumacy points. I, that, yes, that is like the biggest thing. That's like hard to do. Yeah. Um, for me, because I'm a very passionate talker too. When I get talking, like yeah, we've noticed. And, yes. <laughs> yes, and my volume of talking is not is not always taken as what I mean it to be. You know, like I'm not like trying to yell at someone, but it's like I'm just passion I'm just passionate about what I, I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah. I understand you know? that feel. It's it's uh <laughs> it's hurt me a couple of different times with uh arguments that shouldn't have been arguments because my tone and my and not any like controllable aspect. Like you're just like, okay, well I'm very like passionate or I'm I'm frustrated and this is coming out and I can't really control my volume or my tone or my inflection too much. It's just something you have to be conscious about, which is very difficult, especially when you're like actually passionate about something in particular and you're all the fiery stuff goes in there. And just next thing you know, you're just like, well, I, I shouldn't have been yelling at that person probably, but <laughs> yeah. Right. It's another thing. That's what's one thing you learn though, working in a collaborative kind of uh, environment, you know, is, right. is the mindfulness of how you're, how you might come across to the person you're talking to. Right. Yeah. And it's that it's like, it, it's being able to disagree and like state your point without coming off as like, be like belittling or like, be like almost, you know, like condescending, be, condescending. Yeah. That's a better word. Cause I would never try to belittle someone, but like, it does seem kind of pretentious when like, when I like even this tone right now, I'm talking. It's I, I just have a pretentious tone of speaking sometimes. So like when I, th <laughs> I I've never noticed it. <laughs> I don't know when I like when I disagree with somebody, and like you know they have like if we both have an idea, and I'm like, 
you know, it, it, I've learned, I've learned how to communicate effectively in that way. And I've also learned how, when I don't get my way to be to, good with it. Yeah. To like, just accept that as yeah. the consensus of everyone and be happy with it. Compromise is real. Yeah. And that's how like things keep moving and being able to accept things is real. <laughs> right. Um, Brendan, what do you think keeps you motivated and driven to keep pursuing music? Because not only do you do your original stuff, you also do your cover bands as well. So is it something that's just innate in you that you don't really want to let go? Uh, yeah, I refuse um, to uh, to work at a desk nine to five. <laughs> uh, I, I don't refuse, I guess, like, you know, if, if I could get hired without like a college degree, you know, and right. like... And, like, still have time and energy to put into all the music I want to put out, you know? Sure, pay me for that. Um, But honestly, I kind of decided a while ago that uh, in life in general, my priority is going to be to enjoy it. Um, And, you know, it's been a lot. I've gone through a lot in terms of like learning what it means to actually enjoy life for me, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause I feel like it sounds really selfish. Um, and I was for a long time and then I realized, Oh, this isn't actually bringing me joy. Um, and so, you know, again, that's kind of where this whole band came from. Um, <laughs> but um, what keeps me motivated is that like, literally I can't, if I wasn't, making music, I really question whether life would be worth it. And that sounds like super dramatic, I know. <laughs> but like, I I don't, like, because why else are we here if we're not going to do things that we want to do? Right. Right? Yeah. Like, it's this whole existential thing. And it's like, like, I'm not going to exist just so I can survive. Right. Right? Like, no, I'm, I, exi- I exist and so I will survive while creating what I want to create. Beautiful. I love it. Steven, what do you think keeps you motivated the most? I think that if you need something that keeps you motivated the most, you're not doing the right thing. Good answer. Because there's no possible thing that could keep me from being motivated to do this. It's something that lives inside of me and will never be not inside of me. Like there's no thing that could ever be, there's no, there's nothing that it could ever take it away from me. And it's all it. And it kind of, there's been points of my life where I like have questioned and also like almost gotten depressed about whether I have a personality outside of it. But music is who I am. That's all I am. And it's kind of, insane how much of it my personality is just music <laughs> i love it yeah. uh i deal with the same thing so it's okay yeah. like I, I talk about music pretty much all the time and i'm just a listener of it like i i try very uh difficult not i don't i started trying to play guitar uh about a year and a half ago and I do it very poorly. Um, I'm just happy that my dog doesn't interrupt me now, uh, <laughs> which is primo stuff right now. Um, 
but actually like creating music or or being able to do something on my own musically has been very nice and not something that I ever expected to be able to do. That's the thing. It's it's human nature to create. Yeah. Like whether it's music, painting, acting, dancing, podcast, like, yeah, writing. It's yeah, right. It's human nature to create, right? And so like I also like, you know, like I I play in cover bands uh to make money, right? For the yeah. for the income strictly pretty much. I mean, like I have a lot of fun in the bands that I play with cuz I it's playing music is also really fun for me, but I got those gigs to make money, right? But like there's this I I okay, yeah. I don't know. If I if there's one message that I would love to get out there, I commend you for starting to learn to play guitar and I would say it's really never too late if you feel like you want to learn how to play music. Go like learn, take some lessons. You know, I teach out here in Fairfax, Virginia. Hit my line, you know, like <laughs> shameless plug. That sounded, wow, that sounded like a very inspiring quote that ended with it's, shameless. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be actually inspiring because like you don't need to be good at it. Don't take lessons from me. I don't care. You don't need to be good at it to make things. It just put what you're feeling into what you're doing. You are a creator. That's perfect. Um, where where do you guys want to see not in the future? What do you think that uh, you guys want to take it to? Do you want to be able to tour nationally? Do you want? Have you thought about that stuff? Have you thought about maybe the next step of what you want to do? Um, you dropped your single, I think the end of January, right? So I assume that you probably have some more music coming down the pipe. But do you see? Kind of a, do you envision Nah being a bigger band outside of just the DC footprint? I think bigger in turn, like bigger is a weird word to put there. I don't like, for me, I feel like we are already achieving our goals in a lot of ways. Like we're putting music out there that's going to affect people and we're going to continue to do that. And it's going to be, you know, I don't think we have, um, we don't really set monetary goals or like mm -hmm. numbers goals. Obviously the more people we can affect the better. Um, but you know, it's not about, it's not about us. It's bigger than, it's, to me, at least, it's bigger. I, I, and I can speak for everyone because I know it's bigger than it's bigger than Brendan. It's bigger than Emma to them. It's bigger to Z it's bigger than Zach to Zach. It's bigger than Chris to Chris. Um, and it's not. It's never been about. You know, it's never been about where we can be in terms of money. But practically that, you know, the more money we can make, the more people we can affect. So that's like, there's kind of like a, you know, th there is a relation there, but yeah, it's not this fine balance. Right, right. It, but it's never been about, you know, how big we are and what places, you know, obviously we would, it would be an absolute, it would be the dream to be able to travel and perform and write new music and travel and perform and just on repeat yeah you know with each other and and affect people the way that we're affecting people now on a, on a more massive scale but that's not something that 
um, you know, the the size of our band when you say bigger is not part is not a big part of the vision and the dream. It's more of the size of the size of the impact, I guess, for me. And I mean, I guess the two and two do go in hand because the size of your impact is the size of your audience and the size mm-hmm. of your audience is the size of your band, quote on, you know, the size, quote unquote, of your band, I guess. So, yeah, that's the best way I can answer that. I dig it. Um, I think that's actually it. I really like everything that just happened. So hopefully you guys did too. Yeah, I did. That was a good conversation. Cool. I hated it. Ha, 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 ha.